On this episode, we talk to Etherisk founder, Christoph, and the CIL, Mikael. Etherisk is a decentralized insurance protocol to collectively build insurance products. We also discuss about their project, Acre Africa, which is a weather index-based crop insurance for Kenyan smallholder farmers. Tune in for more, and don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Hello, Christoph and Mikael. Thanks for coming on today. Let's start by giving us some background about each of yourselves. Okay, maybe I'll start with myself. So my name is Christoph Musenbrock. I'm the founder and CEO of Etherisk. Uh, and I founded uh, Etherisk six years ago in 2000, uh, end of 2015. Uh, it was a short time after Ethereum came out. And that's also why we have it in our name. So it's Etherisk. Uh, it has something to do with Ethereum. And uh, my background personally is uh, from banking and finance industry in Germany. I've spent quite a long time in the banking industry, uh, uh, the f first half in the banking itself and the second half in the IT uh, provider for cooperative banks and uh, have been responsible for product development, product management, uh, especially for loans products and risk management products. And uh, so risk and handling risk, but always uh, in, in the area of my expertise. And uh, so when I decided to uh, rump my own startup, uh, then uh, Uh, insurance was a natural choice because at that time there was no insurance product uh, on Ethereum. Uh, and uh, so that was quite a big opportunity. And uh, I know, knew that uh, insurance is quite hard. Uh, so you need a lot of experience in regulations and uh, all these stuff. And that was my uh, home turf, so to say. So I expected that's uh, an area where I, where I could add value. And uh, that's why, why we started uh, the first insurance products on Ethereum. And we, uh, our first goal was to build a whole platform which is able to not only to uh, make some part of the insurance value chain more efficient, reduce cost, but to bring the whole of insurance on blockchain. That was the initial idea. Okay. And was there any initial areas that you guys felt uh, to go after first? Yeah, so of course we were thinking that uh, we, if we want to do something in a highly efficient manner on blockchain, then we should start with a product which can be fully automated. So we started with products which were data driven, so where we have no manual claims uh, process, which is a large uh, difficulty in the traditional insurance industry that you have complicated manual processes to assess claims and Uh, make payouts uh, and so we decided to do this fully automated uh, by data sources and so our first product was flight delay which can be made uh, completely automated in in a with uh, with a database of flight data where we can uh, decide if a flight is delayed just uh, by looking into the database. And so that was the starting point. With, uh, that is a special term for this. Uh, it's called parametric insurance, where the whole claims process is uh, driven by data and algorithms which decide on the payouts. All right, and Michiel. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Michiel Berende. I am um, part of the ETRIS team since 2018. Um, I may call myself the Chief Inclusive Officer, uh, meaning that I'm uh, working and focusing mainly on inclusive insurance or micro-insurance, insurance and insurance emerging economies uh, for low-income populations. Um, a little bit about my background. Um, I started my career in the insurance industry in the Netherlands. Um, I started as an underwriter, made a switch to the IT department. And that got me involved in a project uh, where the insurance company was asked by uh, a bank to help a microfinance organization in India with the setup of microinsurance activities. For that, I had to identify a software solution. 
And um, that gave me the opportunity also to see how things are going, for example, in India. Um, and that was in the, in the early 2000s. Eventually, I moved to India and lived there for a few years, uh, always focusing on technologies for microinsurance. And when I went back to the Netherlands, I started as a consultant, focusing again on technologies for microinsurance. And when I learned about Bitcoin, I saw a major opportunity specifically for this kind of markets, the ability to transfer small amounts of money at a low cost from A to B without an intermediary. And then I learned about the technology behind it, blockchain technology. And after a few years, I also joined the Etherist team. And uh, right now we're working on the applications also for inclusive insurance. Now you mentioned like the uh, emerging economies are underserved. Um, are, are those areas just because it's cost prohibitive of these bigger insurance companies to go after and that's why it's not available there? Yes, that is one of the reasons. Um, so if you talk about insurance for lower income populations, then you need to think about insurance products with low premiums. And if you then also only have offices in, in, in the, the, the capitals of a city where you have no agents in rural areas, uh, then it becomes already quite uh, costly to deliver an insurance product. And because of that, of course, many uh, people um, can't uh, get access to an insurance product. And that is a topic that we also try to address with our solution. Okay. And so the ability, I guess, with blockchain and software is to be able to deliver it economically, right? Yeah. Well, you would like to make it, if you can automate an insurance product. So, if, for example, if you are an insurer and you have to send field adjusters into the field to, to check if a crop has been lost, if this already takes a day for an adjuster to reach this place and then to review it and then travel back, then the costs, of course, are just far too high. So if you can do this on an automated way by using weather data and then also trigger those claims automatically thanks to smart contracts. Uh, you don't need a farmer to contact an insurance company. You don't need a far and an insurance company to go in the field. You can execute the payment automatically, of course. Then you are able to reduce the cost of an insurance product. And that is also one of the promises of the technology that we are using. So I guess, what are all the geographic locations that you guys are currently serving and are going to serve in the future? Well, right now, what we have worked also in Sri Lanka, uh, where we did our uh, first uh, pilot on a relatively small scale. Right now, we're working in Kenya uh, with Acre Africa. Acre Africa is active uh, at the moment in eight different countries in, in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, right now, the, the first project that we're doing with Acre is in, in, in Kenya. Uh, most likely, the next country will be Zambia, uh, Tanzania, and um, with a multiplicity of, of insurance products. So uh, also, we're looking into Latin America, um, but the most concrete activities are right now in Africa. Maybe I add just uh, our other projects, which are not uh, just uh, the crop insurance uh, area, but we have uh, a cooperation with Team Raincoat. This is a, a so-called hurricane insurance in Puerto Rico. Uh, they have already launched their product uh, in a traditional way, and they are now launching the next product uh, on blockchain with our platform. And so that is going live in the next uh, time. And uh, we have also, uh, of course, Flight Delay, which is a German-based product. Uh, and uh, we have white-labeled uh, this product also for Hungary, where we are, have a cooperation with a Hungarian uh, flight refund company. And uh, so that is also uh, something where we are active. So mainly uh, Europe for Flight Delay uh, and uh, Africa for crop insurance, Sri Lanka and Puerto Rico for the hurricane insurance. 
I guess one of the first things uh, some investors might ask is, you know, from a regulatory and license standpoint, are you guys going after regions that don't require that? Or are you acquiring licenses as you go? Or kind of what is the rollout plan in re- that is needed? Yes, we have, of course, uh, for each of these jurisdictions, we have different solutions. So, for example, in Africa, we are working together with a local partner who has uh, a license provided by a local insurer. So that is uh, just a traditional insurance license. In Germany, we have a very special model. We have a, a, we, we call it protection and not insurance. So we are not in the legal sense in insurance, uh, even if the mathematics and statistics and the product design is exactly like insurance. Yeah? But we, uh, we have no legal guarantee. Uh, because we have blockchain and blockchain smart contract give you a technical guarantee. So we exchange the legal guarantee by technical guarantees, uh, which are even better for the consumer. Uh, but this uh, allows us to work without insurance license. On the, on the other side, uh, so we don't have any regulations. We are completely free in how we design the product, which is a huge opportunity. Uh, on the other side, we cannot name it insurance in the formal sense. Yeah, So that is the difference. And on Puerto Rico, they have also a local license with local insurers. Uh, so it depends on the on the jurisdiction. Yeah, in each jurisdiction, we have uh, different solutions. Uh, because of the licensing, maybe in the U.S. as general, do you think we'll you'll roll out products later on in the roadmap for the U.S. specifically, just because of that hurdle? Or yes, of course, uh, that, that, that's the the idea. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we, as Etherisk, uh, which is a German company, uh, would roll out these products, but probably we want to encourage team in the U.S. Uh, to build their own products and uh, because they have the experience with the local regulations. Uh, so uh, Etherisk is a platform. Yeah, we are not a single product company, but we are a platform, and of course we have our own products, but we also open for anybody who would launch his product on the platform. And uh, so uh, I think US is uh, quite specific because you have different uh, regulation in each of the single states. So it's pretty expensive uh, to launch a product uh, all over US. Mm -hmm. Uh, So either we sell products in the US from Germany, so using some uh, vehicle, uh, or we would uh, rather encourage teams to to do this on their own and uh, seek solutions via uh, carriers, via fronting companies. There is a lot of opportunities there yeah, and uh, existing solutions. So we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Uh, so uh, it depends on the product. It depends on the situation and the market. Uh, so I cannot give a very generic answer to this. So you're, are you guys headquartered in Germany, you mentioned? Yes, we have a headquarter in Munich. Uh, we have also a foundation in Switzerland uh, and we have subsidiaries in, in the Netherlands. And also we have one a uh, small subsidiary in the US, which is not very active, but uh, so we could start in the US actually, but uh, currently it's not active. Uh, and of course, we have uh, these uh, projects all over the uh, the world, which are located in Africa, where we lo- work with local partners, Hungary with partners, and so on. And is the whole main team? operations are in Germany, Netherlands, and of course, the team is distributed all, all over the world. And about how many people are currently on the team? Well, currently, we are about uh, 20. Uh, these are not all full-time, but we have a core team of uh, six people who take care for the central operations uh, and drive the development. We have a number of developers, technical developers, which drive product development. Uh, we have a, a quite uh, growing communications team, which handles all the social media channels and uh, telegram groups and forums, which we have launched. And uh, so all in all, uh, we are about 20 people. That's great. And is there other uh, members of the team uh, besides you guys that have background in the insurance space or or bring expertise into what you guys are doing? Can you kind of hit on that? 
Yes, of course. We have uh, one uh, well, several guys which uh, are coming from in insurance. Uh, also in our advisory board, we have a small advisory board. Uh, we have people from, for example, Aon, which is a large partner. Aon is the largest broker in uh, worldwide. Member of the management of Aon in Germany is member of our advisory board and is doing quite a lot of networking for us. So we have all these uh, experience. Yeah, that's quite extensive. And have you guys? Oh from a capital raise standpoint yeah you guys did an initial token sale or yes what did you kind of how much capital did you guys raise then uh, we, 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 we collected about uh, 3.5 million us dollars in the uh, original uh, tge or ico back in 2018. Uh, we have since then uh, uh, also um, sold a number of tokens from our foundation the foundation still holds the majority of the tokens as a treasury uh, but the foundation is uh, dedicated to promote the platform, so there is no uh, no plan to sell larger amounts of these tokens in short term. But it's like a large treasury where we can fund the development. Uh, maybe you've heard about our token grant program, where teams can apply for a grant and then they will receive tokens from the the foundation, and so they can uh, fund their own products and development, uh, provided it is open source on a public blockchain and also using the DIP token. So it's always linked to giving the DIP token a utility yeah? and uh, so these are the requirements and uh, so that, that's are these are the main funding sources we have also received a uh, um, uh, subsidiary from the european community for a large project uh, which was funded uh, in 2000 uh, i think uh, also 19 yeah 19 18 19 18. Uh, the Beacon, so-called Beacon project, where we work together with insurers in Germany, in uh, uh, Serbia, in Greece, and uh, they are building uh, also parametric insurance, uh, which is driven by satellite data. And so we provide the, the blockchain part, and the others provide their uh, their know-how in regard of satellite data analysis uh, to build insurance products which are based on satellite data. So that is a funding source, and we have also received uh, grants by Chainlink. We have received a, a grant from the Ethereum Foundation, and uh, of course, our projects are also funded by our own foundation. And the Climate Ledger Initiative and the yes. Swiss Development Corporation, we should not forget to mention them as well. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, for each of these, uh, for these, these inclusive insurance products are mostly uh, profitable in the long term. Yeah? So, to give it a start, we need uh, funding from uh, these, these uh, NGOs which are interested in developing these products. So, that is also one of our funding sources. So, uh, for anyone who would like to apply for a grant, kind of what, what are, I guess, certain products that you're looking for and what does that application mm -hmm. process look like? Well, the application process is currently very simple. Uh, just write an email to grants at etheris.com and uh, then we will review this. We have a foundation council with, which will review all these applications and make a decision on uh, whether we give a grant or not uh, and in which uh, amount. Uh, the requirements, as I, as I told, are very simple. It needs to be open source, it needs to be on a public blockchain, and it needs to give the DIP token a utility. Uh, so it helps the platform grow. And uh, so actually it's very simple. Uh, and uh, we have already received some applications which we are currently reviewing, uh, for example, also from Germany. Uh, there is a sustainable insurance company which uh, is dedicated to uh, ecological investments. And so they've also applied for a, uh, for a grant and uh, also others so all right and then what uh you know do you currently have any vcs that you guys have worked with uh do you guys have any plan for a future raise 
Yeah, so we have worked together with uh, some VCs in the early stage of the ICO. So, for example, Kryptonite is one of the major one, Boxler Finance and others, uh, which don't want to be named uh, Coin Fund, not to forget. Um, so these were all our early supporters. And uh, so uh, we have uh, quite a number of uh, significant investors in the early stage, uh, what you can also see in the token distribution. If you look at the chart and you see some, one of, some of the larger investments uh, at the top. But interesting enough that we have also seen uh, quite a lot of uh, investors in the last year. Yeah, So starting with the DeFi summer uh, last year when DeFi got uh, a large uh, hype, then we also got uh, uh, significant numbers of people who built up their bags and uh, bought DIP tokens. Uh, actually, we are not uh, not uh, interested in VCs which are looking for a short-term uh, ter um, exit. Yeah, so uh, we don't want to promise uh, whatever ex uh, exit in 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 uh, one year uh, or something. Uh, so uh, we are looking for long-term investors. We're looking for people which bring in their own experience in the uh, in the team and in the company and in the projects. Uh, so we are always looking for um, VCs which are interested in, for example, uh, inclusive insurance or in parametric insurance, uh, data-driven insurance, and uh, which have their own expertise or which want to la uh, launch their own products. And uh, so that is the type of investors we are looking for. Yeah, and. Actually, that is still starting. Yeah, we 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 have uh, uh, not yet received a lot of interest from from single investors in the space, uh, except for from people from the DeFi space, which are uh, currently uh, building up their their own bags of DIP tokens. And uh, uh, but uh, the, the the big names still have uh, they are focusing on on the uh, other DeFi projects, uh, which have more uh, short term uh, gains. Uh, so that's something that we are still open for. So what, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, decentralized insurance, kind of, you know, give us a few benefits over a centralized service provider. Mm -hmm. Well, the main benefit is that, uh, of course, the whole process is, uh, as we do it, uh, the whole process is on-chain, so it's very transparent uh, for each party. And uh, so there is no way to, to cheat or to deny payouts which are justified. And because it's mostly data-driven, it's also very objective. Yeah, So there is no big source of uh, disagreement and uh, people can agree on the data. And uh, so... Uh, the data source is predefined uh, when you uh, sign up your insurance policy and so there is little or no room for any disagreements that is a large uh, advantage uh, it's also of course very efficient because payouts can happen directly in real time uh, what we have seen in flight delay also with crop insurance uh, where we have the first uh, or we will see the first uh, uh, payouts during the season. Uh, so in, in the traditional finance uh, and insurance payouts are always after the season, after a lengthy uh, claims process, and we can do payouts during the season when the loss has happened. And that is also a large uh, improvement uh, in relation to traditional insurance. On top of this, uh, that is pure efficiency, yeah, that's, so to say. But on top of the, uh, uh, the higher efficiency of the process, uh, we can also bring the, the core process of uh, insurance on-chain. And this process is a risk transfer process. So people looking for cover and people looking to invest in risks. And we bring both sides together. 
And uh, we do this, well, first of all, of course, because we offer the, the processes and the products, but then we offer also so-called risk pools where people can provide capital to cover uh, potential uh, losses. And uh, to uh, if people who provide capital for these risk pools, they get rewarded by the uh, large amount of the premiums which are paid. Um, so uh, in, in, in a... In a uh, standard uh, period, the pay, uh, the the rewards would always be higher than the losses. Yeah, so people would actually earn money on providing capital, and uh, only in very uh, um, uh, unlikely uh, scenarios, people would lose money. If, for example, if there would be um, over unproportional high payouts during a specific uh, period of time. And uh, so this is a core process of insurance, uh, collecting capital, uh, covering uh, risk with the capital and uh, earning money with this process. And this is something what we bring on chain. Yeah? So people can invest and earn money. And I think that is something which is uh, adding a very interesting product to the whole landscape of DeFi products, yeah? which you have already loans, you have uh, derivatives. What you don't have is insurance uh, risk pools where you can invest. Yeah? You have it in a certain way uh, with uh, for example, uh, project like Nexus, uh, but Nexus is only insuring uh, crypto native risk, so smart contract risk. Uh, but uh, the huge area of real world risk, yeah, and I would say 99% of the risk are real world risk, uh, weather, crop uh, damage, uh, liability, whatever, health, uh, life insurance, that are all products which uh, have real world risks. And uh, I, th I think this is a much more interesting space than the crypto native risk, which are also interesting, but limited. Yeah. And uh, so we think that this is a risk we have. Uh, we now we bring the opportunity that people can invest in real world risks uh, via our risk pools. And uh, that is also where we use the DIP token for. The DIP token is used to stake for these risks. And so people can take that DIP token, put them in a risk pool. They can additionally stake uh, stable coins like USDC or Tisa or X. Die, die. Uh, because for, for insurance risk, we, of course, we need also stable uh, coins. Uh, but in total, people can invest in our products. And that is the, 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 the fundamental process yeah, and the most interesting part of the whole equation. Now, mentioning uh, the investor's ability to stake the DIP token in the risk pools, mm -hmm. how, do, how do investors underwrite these risk pools? How do they underwrite the risk? And you know, uh, I guess, how are they making their own determination of, uh, mm -hmm. of making that allocation? That's very simple. So a risk pool is simply a smart contract, which represents a number of insurance policies and uh, and uniform risks. For example, flight delay risk. Yeah. So in a risk pool, you would have a number of 1,000 flights which which are insured. Or in the crop insurance case, you would have uh, we have currently about 17,000 uh, farmers which are insured and uh, with an insurance uh, sum of X. And uh, so if you would invest in such a pool, you would participate in this risk. So uh, you would participate in the premiums which are paid, uh, but also in the losses which are paid out. And in the end, uh, if all goes wrong, uh, right, <laughs> then you would also, uh, there would be a net profit for you. Yeah? And only in the very unlikely case of a huge uh, uniform loss, then you would uh, have your capital at risk and then you, then you would pay for this risk. Uh, but the underwriting is simply done by, by investing in the risk pool, by, by locking your capital in the risk pool. The underwriting process itself, so checking if a policy is valid, that is done by our platform. Yeah? So the investor does not need to take care of the underwriting process because we take care of this uh, using our parametric uh, platform 
which is uh, of course data driven. So people uh, apply for a policy, then we check the policy if the uh, requirements are fulfilled and then the customer gets his policy underwritten automatically. And on the other side, the investor can invest in the pool where the policies are uh, floating in. And uh, then uh, after a certain period of time, we, for example, in the crop insurance uh, case, then we have a period of, for example, six months. And after the six months, we we close the books and we see uh, what is the net profit. Yeah, And then we distribute it again to the investors. So how do you, how is the, I guess, the uh, premium determined specifically uh, for the client that needs the insurance policy? Of course, yes, the, the, the premium is calculated basically based on the risk, what we cover. Uh, we need a historical database to see what has happened in the past and uh, how we uh, should uh, do the pricing. Then we have a basic risk price uh, for the underlying risk. On top of the risk price, we have costs, of course, operating costs. Uh, distribution cost. We have then a premium for the capital, which is locked uh, for a certain time. And we have, of course, a profit margin. So the premium uh, has several uh, uh, different um, uh, components uh, and uh, together they form the, the net premium and uh, what people pay. And so the investors will receive their share of this premium. So of that premium or margin, uh, yeah. how do you guys determine uh, in, in your initial underwriting, do you have a projected premium or margin you'd like to achieve for that risk pool? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So of course we do some initial pricing based on uh, experience. For example, in Africa, the price is uh, mostly determined by uh, the existing pricing model. So there is not much room to, uh, to uh, define uh, the price or the, the margin. Um, for other products like uh, flight delay, we are completely free. Yeah? So, for example, our distribution partners can actually, they can ask for any price, what they like. Uh, and there is a, uh, a self-regulating mechanism. If the price is too high, you won't sell any more policies. If the price is too low, you don't earn money. So, somewhere in the middle, there is an equilibrium yeah? where the, the interests of the customers and the interests of the investors are equaled out. And so, uh, of course, each side wants to raise its profits or lower its costs. But in the end, uh, both sides have an interest to build up um, uh, the maximum risk pool possible. And uh, so that's, that's uh, where we do the price finding. Yeah? And uh, in our vision, uh, this whole process would be automatic. Yeah? So you would have an, a risk pool, which would uh, uh, raise or lower the premium uh, depending on the demand and depending on the uh, available capital. Yeah? So if, if there is only little capital available, the, pr the premium would raise. So uh, it would attract more investors and uh, the, the pool would grow. If the pool grows, then uh, people can buy more policies. And uh, so if, if no policies are sold, then the price would go down. And uh, so to attract more customers yeah, and on both sides, uh, you, you need to, uh, to attract the maximum number of investors and the maximum number of customers. And in principle, this could be automated. Uh, with your Acre Africa partnership, and crop insurance. Can you kind of yeah. give us the high level of, you know, how the, how it starts from the beginning to the end? So I think you mean the, the process so the distribution of the insurance product is done and how payouts are being made, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Acre Africa has, has designed a, quite an interesting insurance product. So uh, they have created scratch cards uh, with a code on it. 
and they bundle these scratch cards with a bag of seed. So once a farmer buys this bag of seed, he's informed also by the farm input supplier. He says, well, when you open up your bag of seed and when do you open up your bag of seed, you do that in the field, in the field where you plan to uh, do the plantation, right? So, um, so once the farmer opens his bag of seed, he can open, he gets this scratch card, he gets a scratch card number and he can text this number uh, with his mobile phone on a simple USSD application, which you can use on a feature phone, but also on, on a smartphone. He texts this code and he says, okay, well, I'm having now this insurance, I'm planting maize right now. You can make a payment, for example, with M-Pesa, which is uh, Africa's mobile money to decide if he wants more or less coverage. And so um, the, the data of sending this text message is recorded. So by that, uh, you can also figure out what is the geolocation where this plant, where he's having his crop grown. Um, so by this moment, the insurance policy will be activated. And so from that moment onwards, more or less, um, we also will start monitoring the weather data coming in through satellite data. Um, for uh, for Acre Africa and Kenya, we use ARC2 satellite data, which is uh, able to also have uh, already has been collecting weather data for the past 30 years. So this product has been then uh, divided into a number of growth phases. Um, so the moment that some, uh, uh, I always forget this, uh, have troubles with, it's not the inception phase. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> so that has a certain period. And when this period occurs, it will monitor, has this crop received enough water? Yes or no. If it hasn't received enough uh, rainfall, then already a part of the payment can be made to a farmer. If it's not, it goes to the next phase. So, And that takes for a number of months. Um, the cool thing about this product is also um, that it is using mobile money. Um, so a payment can be executed immediately directly to a farmer. He receives his M-Pesa and by that he can buy new seed or fertilizer or whatever he needs to do to save his, um, his product. And this is something that works completely automated. The only thing that Acre Africa right now is doing, since they have been distributing over the past years, I think already uh, a 1.8 million insurance policies. It is also for Acre Africa something new that they realize suddenly that they do not have to execute all those work and activities to monitor weather data. Now it's done automatically, but still they are careful of making those payments immediately to farmers. But that is the process that we are in right now. So I guess the question I got there is, uh, so what are all the data points in which the satellite can aggregate or collect? Um, well, so they use satellite data. They use so-called pixels. And one pixel is uh, 10 by 10 uh, square kilometers. Um, and um, so for this area, any farmer who's living in a certain, in a pixel will receive a payment. Um, and this is done on a daily basis. Every day we collect the weather data, or well, the, the system collects the weather data and is able to calculate if a payment is to be made or not. Okay, and what is it, I guess, uh, what prevents abuse of the system or abuse of, you know, applying for insurance losses? You won't be able to tamper with the weather data because the weather data is provided by publicly available satellite data. So it's not that a farmer could go to a weather station and prevent water falling in in this measuring station or adding a lot of extra water. Um, also, when these farmers receive the products, so Acre Africa works with so-called village champions that are farmers 
uh, and the same community that another farmer comes from who is trusted by the farmers who explains to farmers okay this is how the insurance products works this is how you have to activate an insurance policy and that is what you may expect if certain weather uh, events occur i, I think the, the distribution that is key in also making this product uh, successful so for the investors that uh put money into the risk pools their main thing is abnormal weather basically right so like here if there's a, a drought season then they're prone to losing their investment or is that correct? Yeah. So extreme events, black swan events, basically. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, because we have uh, so many uh, granular uh, pixels, and so the risk is very fairly distributed. Yeah. So, uh, of course, you could imagine a drought which uh, would affect a whole of Kenya, but as history shows, that is very seldom. Yeah. So probably you have a certain area or you have a certain region where we have a drought and we have more severe uh, weather effects, but it's very unlikely that this covers all of Kenya. Yeah. And of course, in the future, um, we would also build up a reinsurance layer on top of the primary insurance. Yeah, so that is what every insurance does. So no insurance is uh, going to take all the extreme risks on their own shoulders, but they buy a reinsurance policy. Yeah? And that is the same what also Acre Africa does. So they work together with a local insurer. The local insurer has a reinsurer. Uh, and the reinsurer, by chance, is also the owner of Acre Africa. So we have a close relationship with a local reinsurance company. And this covers these extreme events. Yeah, so uh, in extreme event, would we would not take the risk pool itself, but we would ask the uh, reinsurer to cover this uh, black swan event, and uh, so the risk is still distributed and covered by other parties as well. And uh, of course, for our own platform, we uh, try to formalize this process of reinsuring uh, risks uh, by adding just another layer of risk pools. Yeah, where people can also invest in these risk pools. So the, the risks, of course, low. Uh, uh, from, from the absolute value, but if it uh, becomes, if, if there is such a large, then of course you will lose your money. Yeah? And that is what, for example, cat bonds do also in the traditional insurance space. Yeah, you can invest in cat bonds, which cover, for example, hurricanes. Yeah, so you you receive a, an attractive payout, but uh, in the case there is, for example, hurricane. Uh, Katrina or something, then you will lose your money. Yeah, but uh, on the other side, you have this attractive payout, and so you make, can you make your decision. And many uh, investors look, are looking for these uh, investments because it's uh, to diversify their risk profile. Yeah, so it's very attractive to have a certain small investment in a high uh, risk with attractive payouts because it diversifies your risk uh, profile. And uh, so that is what we're trying to also to do to uh, build this on chain and uh, with our risk pool structure that is that would actually be quite easy to do uh, because the data is already there and uh, we have these uh, standardized interfaces, these fully automated processes. So things what, which are very difficult in the traditional space are quite easy to accomplish here in the blockchain space. So do you see like uh, hedge funds as an example where they already have their prior expertise in this certain area, let's call it crop insurance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, kind of coming in at some point and participating, you know, within your ecosystem? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we know there are already specialized uh, uh, funds which are investing in these risks because they have the expertise and they know how to, uh, to value them. Um, so yes, of course, we are waiting until these uh, existing uh, entities will also jump on blockchain and uh, do their first investments in this space. I'd like to make a minor correction uh, also to one of the comments that you made, Christoph. Um, mm -hmm. 
the the investor also the owner of acre africa is not just a local uh, reinsurer it's one of the largest pan-african reinsurance companies yes. <laughs> and of that's course. a big difference <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What do you think are the hurdles for uh, larger, you know, funds and so forth to start participating more actively? Even your, you know, within the insurance industry or just you know, blockchain industry as a whole. Yes, of course. I think one of the main obstacles is regulations, and uh, these companies say um, they have currently a very low appetite to get into uh, difficult discussions with their regulators. Yeah? So they, they're still watching and uh, they see all these projects running around and uh, they say, oh, think it's very interesting. But you know, insurance is a very slow moving business. Yeah? They, they don't do uh, big innovations in short time. And uh, they have already also very large infrastructure to maintain and uh, these infrastructures are optimized for traditional insurance. So to plug in a uh, blockchain uh, open source uh, open uh, public blockchain project is um, not yet feasible for most of them yeah uh, but i think if you have seen maybe axa axa insurance has copied our flight delay insurance and launched it uh, some time ago uh, so they are willing to do so and they are also experimenting on public blockchains but uh, it's still not on a huge scale yeah it's a small small projects small pilots and uh, I think uh, what we need are successful projects like Eka Africa, and then they will also see, okay, that's obviously it's doable. Let's try it. Yeah. And as soon as we have the proof of uh, that it's feasible, then they will jump on. So I expect actually that they that we will have more engagement of uh, the traditional finance in blockchain projects like this uh, as soon as it's proven that it works. Yeah. On the other side, you know, for example, ETFs for Bitcoin, uh, there have been 20 attempts to launch them and uh, they have all been turned down by the SEC. So it's not easy, uh, but uh, eventually it will happen. Currently with the uh, Acre Africa, you know, what is the time frame in which the payouts are occurring? We are waiting for it every day. Yeah. So we, we have already calculated the payouts. We are just waiting for the green light from regulators to, to do the actual payouts. So we have a list of, uh, from the 17,000 uh, farmers, we have about uh, 6,000, which would receive a payout. And we already know how much. Uh, so we just need to push the, the red button. Yeah? And uh, so that's what we are waiting for currently. That is the thing that I also try to explain. It's certainly, what was happening before we started working with them, a season ends and after the ending of the season uh, within the organization the calculations were being made and then the next step was to go also to an insurance company um, to say okay a claims came, payment could be made so after the season it would take a number of months before the actual payments would be made to a farmer now we can make a, a payment even while the season is still running and this needs some time for an organization to understand and to actually re realize this is possible. And it is possible. Um, so patiently, we, we continue with this work and, and we expect that these payments will be made in, in, in the coming uh, close in the coming weeks. Let's be <laughs> careful here now. <laughs> so let's roll into kind of, uh, you know, just current competitors, right? Who do you guys see as the closest competitor currently at the moment? 
Uh, well, we have uh, similar projects. Uh, we have no direct competitors because all of these blockchain projects which are working in the area of insurance are uh, focusing on uh, crypto-native risks like Nexus Mutual or there is a company like Opin which is working uh, on uh, crypto derivatives. That's not really insurance, but it's more like a financial derivative to, uh, to cover financial risks. Uh, we have, of course, uh, companies like Arbol. Arbol is uh, a, a large existing uh, company which uh, starts working on blockchain and they have also cooperation with uh, Chainlink and uh, they, they, they claim that they are working on, on chain. I've never seen anything uh, and they are of not token-based and they are not open. Yeah, So actually it's a different model, also different business model. So they are a closed shop company and uh, launching their product, which is fine. Uh, but we are going a different route with an open platform. Uh, on the other side, there are some uh, projects in the traditional finance. Uh, for example, B3i is a large uh, uh, consortium of incumbents like uh, AXA, Allianz, um, you name it, Swiss Re, Munich Re. Uh, they are building also a blockchain solution, but it's only internal use and it's only a small fraction of the overall process. Yeah, for example, retrocession processes in the reinsurance business. Uh, that's also nice, uh, but it's closed shop. It's uh, not on a public blockchain. It's not using tokens. Uh, so very, very different from what we do. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So actually, uh, dealing with real—if you say uh, who is who else—is dealing with real-world risk has an open platform and uh, has already real-world examples and projects and I, I think we are still the only ones yeah so if this is a criterion um, but of course I think even if there would be somebody else uh, we would welcome this because um, yeah uh, competition is always a nice thing to have and <laughs> it's always good it's other. a big world we live in there's plenty of opportunity <laughs> exactly. right so from like uh, I guess you know some areas you know when you're getting that, uh, that the data you know from oracles or you know from these different sources that, uh, you know, can that be manipulated at all? Or what kind of happens if that feed is broken? You know, can that mm -hmm. trigger any type of liquidations? Is there any risk there? Of course, yeah. Uh, so the Oracle question is, of course, a very important one. Yeah. So we need to ensure that the data is uh, available. Uh, that's why we are working with um, public satellite data, which is very difficult to break, yeah, because, uh, for example, the Africa satellite ARC2, this is providing rainfall data all over Africa. And there are hundreds of projects which are using this and which are depending on this. And so there are big national, uh, national and international uh, consortia which are uh, ensuring that the satellite, will, uh, satellite data will always be available because everybody needs it. Yeah, It's substantial for the African continent to have this data. So this, the risk that this data would not be available is very low. Uh, there is, of course, uh, a technical uh, step between the satellite and our platform. Uh, so we, we are working together with Chainlink. Chainlink is providing very reliable Oracle infrastructure. Uh, but in the extreme case, we could also do this ourselves. It would no, no longer be decentralized. So, we, of course, we try to also get rid of uh, many decentralized components. But, of course, we always will provide uh, fallback solutions which would be centralized but still keeps the business running. Yeah? So. Uh, same applies for flight delay. Flight delay, we are working together with uh, FlightStats, which is the largest uh, data provider for business uh, flight data. Uh, they are super reliant and also the same applies for uh, what applies for ACA is also valid for them. Uh, there are hundreds of uh, customers which uh, where the business relies on uh, good data from FlightStats. So um, if they would break, then uh, many people would uh, have a problem and uh, would take care that this 
process would be uh, fixed and uh, the data would be available uh, again. So we, we are all, always looking at the system. Yeah. So if there is a system is stable, then we uh, say, okay, that is uh, good data. Um, we have, for example, also uh, huge data sources in Europe from public available satellites, which are funded by European Union. Um, and uh, of course, the whole climate business, yeah, the climate change uh, has uh, given the climate data a huge push. And so you have uh, a lot of public available data sources for climate data. And actually, there is not a big risk that this data sources would break break apart. Yeah? So maybe a different uh, if you have uh, specific um, products, uh, parametric products where, where the data source, source is only fragile and uh, limited availability or there is no backup or so, then of course you need to price it in, yeah? or you need to have other backup solutions. But currently the products which we, we are looking at, they have super secure data sources. So what do you think is the maybe top three best products for somebody to go after now? Yeah, all kind of parametric risks. So from, of course, weather, weather risks, there, are, uh, there is a huge space. For example, you could ensure uh, energy, uh, 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 sustainable energy or renewable energy, which is depending on weather conditions. And so many businesses rely on these uh, weather conditions. And uh, for all these businesses, you could provide a, a, a something like a cash flow insurance. Yeah. So if the weather is bad, then uh, we would provide an insurance that would, would cover the uh, the losses in 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 the income yeah, and uh, in the cash flow that is a huge field uh, where we are looking at and uh, of course all other types um, of uh, weather data but of also uh, price index price in these indexes yep. yes uh, supply chain uh, you could uh, very easy because there are the first projects which are building uh, infrastructure for supply chains on, on blockchain and of course there are a lot of risks which are uh, along the supply chain and uh, if the supply chain is represented by a blockchain uh, infrastructure then you could also link an insurance product to this uh, uh, and that is also very interesting uh, uh, area where we have already uh, have some talks but uh, currently not yet a concrete uh, proof of concept or something but that is something where i expect a lot of business coming uh, in this area no, I guess most people or most uh, you know investors, most people in general in life are familiar with life insurance, right? Because that's typically what uh, they have to deal with or auto or something like that. Uh, how do you maybe see life insurance coming into this realm or maybe what the opportunity is there? Do you see anything? Well, life insurance is difficult because, in, for example, in Germany, nobody earns money with life insurance anymore. Yeah, because uh, life insurance is actually putting, uh, collecting money, putting it on a bank, and investing it in a certain way and trying to get some profits out of it. So, life insurance is more an investment process where you uh, collect the money and uh, and try to get the most out of it. Uh, the, the, the insurance and risk aspect is not that important yeah, because life risks are very easy to calculate and it has been done for decades. Uh, so it's not very interesting from the insurance standpoint, but more from the investment standpoint. And as I said, in Germany, life insurance is dead because uh, you can't earn money on, out of it. You need to guarantee uh, your, your payouts uh, to your customers over a very long period of time. And so all of your, uh, your earnings go into uh, securing these payouts. And uh, that makes it not very attractive for investors. But maybe there are other areas in the world where it's still uh, a very interesting product. Uh, maybe not in the, probably the situation is quite similar in other developed countries, uh, but maybe there are, for example, areas in, in the emerging economies where life insurance is still a very interesting field. And yes, of course, we could do this, yeah, because life risks are very easy to uh, to handle because 
probably you have some certificate of, of death, uh, mm. so it's very easy to uh, to assess a claim. can be mostly automatic, maybe there is even a public register where you can look into, uh, so it would be a good case. Yeah? But uh, you need to find the, the right setup and the right uh, market for this. Yeah? And uh, so we are coming from Germany, so life insurance is not our primary focus of interest. Okay. Now, some, <laughs> sometimes there's, uh, I guess, tax benefits around, you know, owning an insurer, being an investor, or whatever it may be. Is, is there anything that uh, people maybe should be aware of here that kind of has some tax benefits participating? Yeah, we don't see. Actually, that's not currently our big uh, focus. Um, I would not. Of course, there are spe specific regulations in Germany where you can optimize your tax by uh, doing some life insurance policies. That was valid in the past. Currently, it's not really that interesting. Uh, but I'm not an expert in tax in all jurisdictions, so uh, that needs local investigation and local experts, which would uh, maybe find out there, there are some there are some opportunities. And that's why we are a platform. Yeah. So anybody who has a good idea is invited to launch this product on our platform. It's very easy. We have uh, 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 complete uh, SDKs where you can develop such a product in very short time and launch it. And uh, but the, the difficult task is probably the market analysis, the uh, the regulatory stuff, getting a license or a partnership. Uh, the technical stuff is actually not that uh, difficult. Yeah. It can be done very easily with our platform. So how does uh, you know? Ethrisk make revenue. How do you guys make money? <laughs> How's the protocol staying business? Yeah, the idea is that of course we uh, we are also investors in DIP, and so uh, I expect that the main uh, source of income in the future will be the the process of risk transfer. Yeah, so we build up risk pools. Uh, the uh, the people who start risk pools they are called risk pool keepers. And they, of course, receive a fee for uh, installing this risk pool. Yeah? For, uh, so uh, to find the right product, to launch the product, uh, to, in, to, uh, to launch the risk pool, uh, to find investors, and then uh, an investor gets a complete infrastructure. Everything is already done for him. Yeah? And uh, for this service, we will, of course, uh, receive a fee. Uh, it's like uh, in, an, in, in a traditional uh, investment fund where you also, as, a, as an investor, you will pay a certain fee for uh, those people who do all the research and uh, provide the, 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 the portfolio. Um, uh, so uh, that's actually the, the large business. Uh, on the other side, we have also, of course, technical services so the, to uh, provide the operational infrastructure for insurance products. That is also something where we uh, get some fee from, from the premiums. And uh, altogether, that makes our business model, yeah? participating in the whole value chain of insurance in the different parts. Most important is, is the risk transfer. How does the value and the utility of the token rise with adoption over the years to come? Yeah, so by by providing risk pools, people need to stake dip tokens in the risk pools, which creates a demand for the dip token. Yeah, and so uh, actually that is the the, the mechanism, uh, and also people who participate in other parts of the value chain, uh, be it oracles or be it other services, they also need to uh, stake some dip tokens. So in total, you can say everybody who earns money on the platform will need to stake some dip tokens, which creates a continuous demand for dip tokens, and this. Uh, will lead to uh, uh, at least a stable, when, uh, if not a growing price of the DIP token. That's All right, well, I think that's probably about it for me today. Do you guys have anything you would like to leave off? Not for me. I just thank you for giving us the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, you know, what's the best way for any listeners to get a hold of you or learn more about the, the company? We have a website, of course, etherisk.com. 
Um, we have also the, the, the community chats on, on Telegram, um, the E3's community discussion. Um, I think if you search for that, you will find our group. We've got about a community of around 4,000 members right now. And of course, we're also on Twitter. That's Etherisk. Yes, we have also a forum, a forum.etherisk.com, where we have uh, some more scientific discussions on token models, uh, product models, uh, staking, and so on. So forum is a place for people who want to dive deeper in the more technical aspects. And of course, we have also a blog where we publish regularly about our larger uh, steps on the roadmap and uh, yeah, so there are plenty of sources and the starting point is always our homepage, uh, the, the website etherist.com, where we have links to all of these different channels where we publish information. And as I said, uh, most uh, important is the Telegram channel, uh, the forum and uh, the blog. Well, thank you for coming out today. Okay, thank you so much, Joe, and see you soon.